Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. So kind of do a recap of, of some of the messages that, that you, you heard. Uh, I kicked it off um, talking about breakthrough. Breakthroughs are a product of pressing. Pressing. We have to press in. Amen. We have to press in. Um, uh, we have to break through the enemy's resistance. Amen. So we have to push beyond the enemy's res- resistance. He's trying to he's trying to steal your supposed to be happy place. Amen. So we have to press, press beyond. We can't miss that mark. Paul talks about press, press on, press on. We can't miss that mark. Amen. Press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus. Press forward. Press forward. It's hard to press forward when we're always looking back. Amen. So press forward. Press, press on. Amen. Don't allow the enemy to steal your supposed to be happy place. Pastor Pete talked about plant seeds of breakthrough. That was awesome. Amen. See, he says some breakthroughs in your life have to be planted. Amen. So you have to plant, plant seeds of breakthrough. Pastor Ryan last week with a tremendous message, he talked about the transitional period, right? Right? When you, when you start to, to break through. He said it's the transitional period when, when those roots start getting, getting stronger. It's not just really about the breakthroughs. It's just like it's that, you know, that, that tr- transition period while, you know, before you break through. Amen? I th- that was awesome. And he also talked about uh, a lifestyle of breakthrough, that joy, faith. That uh, was an awesome message. He actually uh, laid a foundation for my message today. So today I want to talk to you um, about living a life of breakthrough. Living a life of breakthrough. Is anyone with me this morning? I didn't lose you. I didn't, I didn't lose you, did I? Come on, I only got a few minutes today. Amen. So, um, you know, uh, so George is very generous. So every amen, he would give $50 to people. This is about planting for the future. Amen. Amen. So, so Edwin decided because he's a generous person, whoever says preach pastor, he would give them $75. Amen. 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 There it is. Come on. Plant for the future, brother. Plant for the future. So turn with me to Matthew 4. Oh, Matthew 4. We're going to start in verse 18. Man, time's flying. I don't have that much time. Okay. So it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately. They left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, 
in the boat with Zebedee, the, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and, and followed him. And they followed him. You know, the Lord, during this fast, I was asking the Lord to reveal to me areas of disobedience. You know, because sometimes we disobey God in a subtle way, right? Sometimes we don't really pay attention to, um, to some things, right? You know, you could be at a grocery store and God would tell you to talk to this person about, about Jesus. And you'd be like, oh, no, God, I mean, they look real busy. They're going to think I'm weird or something, you know. You know? So we, we, we try to negotiate with the Lord, and we wind up not doing what he actually says. Or, like, we can be driving, and someone cut us off, right? And God tries to tell us not to call them number one, right? He says to call them number two, like, peace be with you, peace, peace be with you. Right. But sometimes we just like to call people number one. I don't I don't know why. We just like to call them number one. It's those subtle things. Right. Subtle things of of disobedience that we kind of overlook. So I've been asking God to reveal to me areas of this disobedience. And I like to test my obedience with people in the Bible. Like what I actually do with what what they did. Right. Well, I actually like God called Noah to to build a boat and tell everybody else to get in the boat. Right. Would I actually do that? Like because everyone thought that Noah was crazy. Right. You know, so God told him to build a boat and he told everyone, he said, grab some animals and I need you to grab you and your family and get on the boat. The flood is coming. That's like crazy. So I'm saying to myself, would I actually do that? If God told me to do that, would I actually do that? I like to test my, my obedience to people in the Bible, right? Because sometimes we say that that's just them. God would never ask me to do anything like that. So reading this text, I've read it I don't know how many times, right? Maybe hundred times. I read this text and never got convicted over this text until now. That's what fasting do to you. Right. I never got convicted until now. I said, would I do what they did? Imagine this. You're fishing with your friends and your family. And this strange guy walks by and says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Would you go? Would you follow him? Think about it right now, the day, the times that we live in now. So I ask myself, will I actually drop my net and follow a strange guy? I think that's amazing. I think that's amazing. So my fear is to miss the mark. So I ask God to reveal to me areas of disobedience. God test, I mean, because I know God is going to test us or he's going to test me. He said, what I, I said to myself, will I do what I do what they just did? So then I started thinking, I'm like, what would happen if the disciples did 
what I would have done, not follow. Like, where would their life be right now? Right? Well, their greatest accomplishment might have been fishing. Their greatest accomplishment might have been being, uh, being a fisherman, not fishers of men. You get that? You got that? Right. So the greatest accomplishment might have been just fishing. They would have missed their mark. I don't know about you. That's my fear. I don't want to miss the mark. I don't want to miss the mark. So God's call to obedience demands a response. It demands a response. He says, follow me. But we must drop something that's unhealthy. We must drop something in order to to get something better. Are you with me? So God's call to obedience demands a response from me. So Jesus said to them, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. But they had to follow for it. They had to drop what they were doing first and then follow Jesus. Are you with me? He says, I will make you fishers of men. So what if they miss that appointment? Amen? See, obedience always brings spiritual breakthrough. See, in order for you to re- or order for you to catch what God is trying to give you, you must drop something unhealthy. Empty hands receive greater blessings. Empty hands receive greater blessings. Amen. So a lot of times we don't catch or we, we don't we don't receive breakthrough because our hands are full. A lot of things we hold on to. Amen. A lot of things that we hold on to and we don't and we don't have time or we don't have room to receive the breakthrough that God's trying to give us. Are you with me? It's sometimes we won't give up. A habit. We won't drop a habit to receive something better. Amen. So it's that whole following concept. He looked at the disciples and says, just just follow me. So they had to drop what they were doing and knowing that Jesus was the most important thing in their lives. I think that's so amazing. You talking about obedience, faith. The amount of faith that they, had to, that they had to have, they left their family behind. This strange guy walked by. Something told them that I need to follow him. That is amazing. How many times that the Holy Spirit whispered to us and tell us to drop something and follow God for something better? Amen? So we can't receive a breakthrough if our hands are full. Are you with me? So we need to drop something in order to become healthier. 
to drop something in order for us to become um, healthier. He said, Jesus told them to follow me. I will turn you into something better. Amen. See, God desires for us to, to live a life of breakthrough. I've heard, I heard this said before. What's better than a miracle is breakthrough. It's breakthrough. Amen. When we live a life of breakthrough, then we become the conduits of, of miracles more than being recipients. The conduits of miracle more, miracles more than being recipients. See, Jesus never needed a miracle. He was that vehicle for that miracle. Amen? So Jesus lived a perfect life. Jesus knew that he was under an open heaven. Guess what? We are all under an open heaven. Amen? See, a life of breakthrough is when you become a vehicle for a miracle. Come on, that's exciting. Amen. God wants us to be that, uh, that vehicle for a miracle. That's living a life of breakthrough. See, I love Moses. Moses, if I were to be anyone in the Bible, I would probably be Moses. Moses was a bad dude, man. I mean, God really used him to do amazing, amazing things, right? And if you want to, if you ever decide to become a pastor and to, to lead a congregation, you got to learn from Moses. You got to learn from Moses. I mean, he had to deal with all the Israelites, people murmuring and complaining, right? Amen. And, and Moses, he was insecure, Right. All those he had, he had a bunch of flaws, but he still continued to serve God. I mean, that really speaks to our, our lives. Moses was a bad dude. I mean, you know, when he was the, the scene at the Red Sea, that's like my favorite. Right. The scene at the Red Sea. The congregation was complaining about Moses leadership. They were complaining that he brought us here to just die. I'd rather go and serve the Egyptians. Just take me back there. I don't want to row with you. I don't want to follow you. Take me back. This is a scene at the Red Sea. And God told Moses to use your staff. I, you know, I'm just thinking, this. if I were Moses, I'm like, okay, okay, God, this better be true. You better be doing something. This is going to make me look like a fool. But Moses' obedience, he took the staff, he took the staff, all the complaining that the congregation was, was, was doing. And all of a sudden, Moses said, boom, and the rest he just part. Can you imagine the look on the congregation's face? Face is like, oh, my gosh, this man is powerful. He's a great leader. Amen. So they were probably murmuring, complaining about plant for the future or something like that. They didn't want to give or anything like that. You know, so all of a sudden Moses said, boom, the Red Sea part. Amen. I said, God, I want to be like Moses. If the congregation ever complain and they, are, they don't want to do something that I'm asking them to do, just give me, like, let me be that kind of way of a miracle. Give me a staff or something. Let me just split something, split the building in half or something like that. Boom. You know that God is like using me. I don't know. Moses had to feel good. Imagine that, right? You had the power to just split something, a sea, a water, right? That's just like awesome. Like, how do you not listen to Moses after that? Right? But Moses was awesome. But there's another scene, another example 
of 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 a um you know of of a life of breakthrough a con a person being a conduit of of, of miracles in john six uh, verse verse one it says um after this Jesus went away to the other side of the sea of Galilee, which is the sea of Tiberus, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes, then he, seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him. For he himself knew what he, he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denaro worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, this is, this is, there is a boy here who, was, who has five barley loaves and, and, and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. So during this miracle, the disciples were learning about ministry and who Jesus was. Amen. So he was, he was, he was showing them that he is the source, and he can do miracles through them. So Jesus modeled intentional action in his relationship with others. He modeled intentional action, actions in his relationship with others. So he tested Philip. He says, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? You know, Philip's, Philip's response was 200 denaro with worth of bread would be enough for each of them to get a little. He didn't get it. He, he didn't get it. See, the test is where you will look to first for a breakthrough. The test is who you will look to for a breakthrough. See, whoever you look to, look to first becomes your source. Are you with me? So he, did, he didn't get it. So Jesus just tested him. Your obedience will always be tested. Your faith will always be tested. Who will you look to first? But there was a little boy who actually got it. A little boy who actually got it. He was a conduit of this miracle. All because he gave up what he had. Amen. He understood. He understood stewardship. He said, I will give what I have because whatever I have is yours already. He understood sacrifice. I give up what I have so others can be blessed. He understood obedience. I give up what I have so my hands are empty for God to give me something better. He, he, had, he understood faith. I give up what I have so my faith will move the heart of God. This boy became the conduit of, 
feeding 5,000 people. Do not ever underestimate what you have. Do not think whatever you have is insignificant. God, if you have the heart for God, if your your heart says, I want to obey, your heart says, I want to move in I want to move in faith, if you understand stewardship, God can use you to, to be that conduit of of a, of a miracle. Amen. God can use you to be that person that 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 perform miracles. He can perform miracles through you. You can be that example. Amen. You can be that example for your family. Cuz you understand stewardship. You understand faith. You understand obedience and God can give you an abundance so that way you can share it with your family. So that way you can teach your family of who the source is, amen, and you can teach them the principle of taking care of whatever God's given you, amen. So you, God can use you as that conduit for miracles. Can you imagine going to the workplace and one of your coworkers are so discouraged, hopeless, um, um, seasons of hopelessness, feelings of hopelessness, amen, and you can just say one word, Amen. That will lift them out of their situation. And they come to you with their testimony, the miracle that God came through with something that's so powerful. Amen. That you be able to share with others. God can use you as that conduit of miracles. I'm excited about that. It's a life of breakthrough. It's just not moments of breakthrough. Pastor Pete said that. Pastor Ryan said that. Not moments of breakthrough. A life of breakthrough. A life of God using you to break through situations. A life that God's using you to foster miracles. (laughs) Come on. All right, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. So I noticed reading the Bible If we consistently do these things, we will live a life of breakthrough. So, one, if we live a balanced life, we will live a life of breakthrough. There is a difference between living a balanced life and trying to find balance. All right? (laughs) Oh, I wish I had more time. Balance is often misunderstood as making things equal and giving equal weight to all things. See, it's hard to find balance. That means that you have to find time to give equal. You have to give equal time to everything. You will always fall short. Something you will neglect. See, sometimes we live our life trying to find balance instead of living a life of balance. There is a difference. Amen? A life of balance means determining what is most important to you and expending your time and energy accordingly. I don't have time in life to half step. Amen. So I want to make God my number one priority. 
Because God is balanced. God is balanced, right? So if God is balanced, I need to spend my time connecting with him. Because he says, if you seek the first, the kingdom and my righteousness, what? Yeah, everything else will fall in place. Everything else will will be added to you. If I seek God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, everything else will be added to me. Everything else will be added to me. So that means everything else will be balanced. Everything else will be in alignment with him. Everything else will be in alignment with him. We have to make God our priority. Amen? That means if I seek him first, he will be in everything I do, and he will show me how to do everything. Amen? So think of, you know, I'm sure you heard this analogy before, of look, uh, uh, look at your life like a wheel, right? I'm sure you heard this before. And um, God is the hub of the will or the center of that, of that will. So every part of your life are the spokes, family, social life, right? Uh, job, uh, every church, everything is a part of that, that will. So you're just following God as the will turns Everything is in alignment as that will turn. So everything is connected to the hub. There's no separation. There's no separation. Are you with me? In order to live a balanced life, we must first integrate God's ways into every area of our lives. Integrate. Integration is the opposite of segregation. Segregation means you separate into groups. So a lot of times we separate our social life from our church life. We separate right our family life for our church life. No, 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 no. You have to be a part of that wheel. God has to be the center of everything that we do. We can't be different ways for different people, different ways for different circumstances. Amen. We have to be the same everywhere we go. Everyone that we talk to. Amen. When Jesus, I mean, Jesus was so balanced. I mean, he kicked it with tax collectors. He sat down. He was still Jesus. He went to weddings. He was still Jesus. He went to people's homes. He was still Jesus. He was Jesus everywhere he went. Amen. So we cannot, we cannot serve God on Sundays, right, and expect a breakthrough on Monday. We can't only serve God on Sundays and expect a breakthrough on Monday. We have to serve God. We have to invite him into every aspect of our lives. Amen. We have to be the same everywhere to go, everywhere we go. We have to like really be saved. That's the definitions of being saved. Like you saved from something. You saved from that old life, that old lifestyle. You're not the same anymore. How do you define saved? Only when you come to church? That's got to be exhausting. You're two, three, four different people everywhere you go. You go to work, right? Right? We just conform to our workplaces. We conform. Whatever, whoever's gossiping, we conform. We do the same thing. 
Amen. So whoever's complaining and things like that, I'm talking about all the leaders, you know, at, at work and all that. We just, we just conform. We never stand out. Part of being a Christian, part of being saved is to stand out. We should not look the same. When you go to your workplace, you should look different than everyone else. I don't care how crazy your neighbor is. You should always stand out. Don't conform to your neighbor's ways. Be different. Be different. Always show them love. Always. That's why we have to be a church that love. Every one of us should love the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our minds, everything that we have, not just some parts of us, right? Just everything that we have, we should love God and love one another. Sometimes church is the worst place to go to for encouragement. Because you walk in people just with just like like attitude like you coming to serve God with that face? Like I don't what's 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 going on? What's what's going on? I'm telling you, I had to do this a lot of times when I came to church something was just on me. I just feel such heaviness, but I didn't want that to reflect. I didn't want to put that on anyone else. I had to go repent. I had to go pray. I had to go get, let me get this thing off of me. Amen. I'm coming to serve the Lord. I'm going to give my best. I'm going to, listen, I want people to see Jesus on me when they walk in. Amen. Come on. I want the church. Can you imagine if the, when people walk in this church and they sense the presence of God? Because you have love, the love of God on you, and you have the love for one another on you. You make every effort to love on someone. Love abound. Love abound. Amen? So we must be the same everywhere we go. We don't separate our lives, right? God is the center of everything. Every aspect, we're, we're the spokes. Every part of our lives is a spoke. As a parent, you still got to be, I know sometimes it's hard to be a Christian when you're a parent. Because, I don't know, because your kids turn into something different. Amen? I thought, my, I thought those days were over for me. The older they get, the stranger they get. Who are you? And it's in the grandkids, too. Oh, the only difference, I can give them back to your parents. You'll say, uh-oh, you acting like something different. Go on with your parents now. Go on. I don't know what y'all doing over there. Just go on with your parents. Go on. I don't have to deal with this any longer. Amen? Yeah, my kids called. They said they're coming to visit. How long? I just need to know. Like, you know, I want to make some arrangements or whatever. I just, I just need to know how long. Amen. Because I know something strange is going to happen. So we have to be the same everywhere we go. If you don't have an integrated life, it means you lack integrity. That's what that means. We lack integrity. If you don't have an integrated life, it means you lack integrity. Integrity. Integrity comes from that same word, integration. To have integrity means to live your life integrated, a 
whole, having God a part of everything that you do. Amen? So if we do these things, if we do these things, if we constantly do these things, we, we live a life of, of breakthrough. Amen. And one other thing, as, as I close, for the sake of time, if we pursue the heart of God, we will live a life of breakthrough. If we pursue the heart of God, we will live a life of of breakthrough. See, when David was in trouble, it, it says he inquired of the Lord. See, we must be in touch with God. See, David pursued the heart of God to help clarify what he should even want or ask for. It's pursuing the heart of God. God, what's on your heart? I want what you want. Because sometimes my heart's not right. I want what you want. And if I know what you want, I know how to move. Tell me when you're, when you're going to move. Tell me what you're going to do so I know how to do it or I know when to do it. Amen. So we have to pursue. Can we make 2019 a year that we pursue the heart of God? Meaning that spend time with him and ask him what is on your heart. What is on, his, on your heart? I don't want David to be the only one. I don't want David to be the only one What God says, David is a man after my own heart. David is a man after my own heart. I want God to say that about me. So to be after one's own heart means that someone is in compliance with one's own intent or will or inclination. It's an expression saying, this is someone I can agree with. We want the same things. I want to be, I want God to say, to say, Gwenmar is a man after my own heart. That means I must pursue him. I must pursue his heart. God, what is, what is on your heart? Think about it for a second. When we discover what's on God's heart, we know we live a life of balance. Do you know we live a life of breakthrough? Because we know how to pursue certain things. If God has plans for us and those plans are good, he will reveal those plans to you. But we must pursue his heart, his heart. God's always going to call you to a place. He's always going to call you to something, to a people. And he has plans for it. So if we just sit down with the Lord and saying, God, I just, I want to know what's on your heart. I want to take time and to know what's what's on your heart. What's on your heart? Help me know what's on your heart. Then I know how to move. Are you with me? 
We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.